Hello there and welcome into this edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Words of hope are ahead from noted media speaker Ron Hutchcraft who points to encouragement from the Lord in the midst of difficult times. Also, teacher Gary Thomas is known for his relationship wisdom based in the scriptures with some principles to take to heart at the beginning of the new year. He challenges believers to draw near to God. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Jonathan Kahn of Hope of the World bringing insight about the shaking that occurred in our nation during 2020 and how that can be related to the upcoming year. He shares comments about recent events in the nation's capital as well. Finally, the release of the 2021 World Watch List from Open Doors USA has just occurred, identifying the countries who are the leading persecutors of Christians worldwide. A summary of the list is ahead from ministry leader David Curry. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Ron Hutchcraft leads Ron Hutchcraft Ministries, and he's heard on the radio feature A Word With You. He's written a book that provides encouragement for those who have experienced pain and loss in their lives. It's entitled, Hope When Your Heart is Breaking, Finding God's Presence in Your Pain. With some comments from a recent Meeting House conversation, this is Ron Hutchcraft now. I realized somewhere along the way that when there is loss, of course, that triggers a grieving process. And when there's grieving, you are at a crossroads. And you have choices to make. And this is what I ended up writing about, but I, I, under, I learned it before I wrote about it, and that is simply this, that it isn't, it isn't the loss that will define whether you have more hurt and grief the rest of your life or whether you have hope and healing. It will be the choices you make. You know, if I have a hammer in my hand, <laughs> can it... Is it can it build or destroy? What's it for? Well, uh, yes. Yeah, both. All, yes, it'll all build, the above. In my hand, it'll probably do more damage. <laughs> but, but you build or destroy. It's not the hammer that decides it. It's what you do with hmm. the hammer. This was, I got hit by a sledgehammer. When you have a major loss, you've been hit with a hammer. You have no choice about that. But you'll never be the same after a major life loss. But what kind of different you're going to be depends on what you do with that hammer, whether it builds or destroys in your life. And a few days, well, a couple of weeks after she was gone, I wrote these words in a grief journal that I started, and big, bold letters at the top of the page. I will not waste this grief. I don't know where that thought even came from, Bob. I, could barely, I was barely able to think a thought. Must have come from God. And then I prayed, Lord, if it's going to hurt this bad, would you please use it somehow to make me more useful to you hmm. and more of more value and help to other people? And all I continue this past four and a half years have been God answering that prayer so powerfully. And it hasn't canceled the grief or the pain of the loss, but it has put something on the other side of the scale. That's the Jesus difference. Without Jesus, you have the grief. And the scale just has only, it's all weighted on one side, is the loss, the hurt. But with Jesus, you've got hope on the other side. And the hope is as real as the hurt, more powerful than the hurt. Because hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. 
And the Bible describes him as our living hope, mm-hmm. which means, mm. and it says, because of his resurrection from the dead. This isn't a positive vibes or uh, happy wishes. This is a, a, a death-conquering Savior, crushed death, walked out of his grave, who therefore has demonstrated the power to move into your life and do things at your moment of brokenness that literally no one on earth could ever do. But I will tell you this. It doesn't... I, I, I had to be honest, and, I, and, and those who've read the book or anything I've written have said, Ron, you gave us permission to grieve. Well, that wasn't my goal, but I found out that I had to be raw and honest about how much it hurt, or no one's going to believe the hope. And and I, and so, rather than just give the Christian talking points, which someone might expect of me, I said, no, I'm I'm going to be real about the loss because it really is a huge loss. But I'm also going to be real about the hope. I wrote a blog about a month later, Bob, and it was called my shattered heart, my certain hope. And all I could tell you is both of those are very real, but one's more powerful than the other. And I can tell you now, and what I wrote about, is the choices that lead to more hurt that many, many people when make when there's a loss. And then the, and instead the other road that leads to healing and to hope. And those choices maybe we could talk about too but um i can tell you that this whole thing was born out of brokenness but is ultimately about how brokenness can lead to hope and take you places with your jesus and with other people you've never been before ron hutchcraft here on the intersection you can find out more by going to hope when your heart is breaking.com Gary Thomas serves on the teaching team at Houston's Second Baptist Church, and in a recent conversation, he discussed material related to the book, The Glorious Pursuit, Becoming Who God Created Us to Be, emphasizing the development of Christian virtues. Here now from that conversation is Gary Thomas. Well, I'm able to cover a lot of them. I think there are about 15 or 16 in here, but you can't cover all of them in in a book that isn't so big. Nobody wants to pick it up. But the chief one that the classics all agree on, when I read the Christian classics, their agreement, the biggest concern is pride. And mm. and they would say the queen of the virtues, therefore, is humility, which again, Bob, was helpful for me. I was a younger man when I wrote this. I wrote this in my 30s. I'm in my 50s now. And, you know, I, I grew up thinking that the biggest sin was sexual sin or something like that. I mean, that's the focus. A young man grows up and that's what he's thinking. But then I realized if I truly grow in humility, all the other sins are going to be disempowered. You can't lust after someone, depersonalize someone if you're humble, where you're putting someone first. I I can't want to control someone or manipulate them if I'm humble because I'm going to want to serve them and build them up. I would never steal from someone if I'm humble. I would rather go without if I'm humble because I'm concerned about somebody else's good than take something from someone else that isn't mine. And so you look at the basic virtue of humility, which isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less about yourself. And you realize, boy, if I could just focus on this one virtue, uh, I'm going to empty out most of the vices Mm. that I'm tempted to explore. 
as you look at really building in humility as an antidote to this pride that the Bible warns us against, how do we do that? How do we build that into our lives? Well, each, each chapter that goes through the virtues has different specific practices that we can do. The key to growth, I believe, is to understand the virtue, to desire it, and then to do the things that help build it. And I, I started before saying humility isn't thinking less of yourself. If you're a fantastic track star, if you're a good speaker, if you're a good administrator, it's not humble to say, oh, I'm not. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that, that's a lie. It's thinking less of yourself. So it's Jesus was a humble person, but he knew he was God, you know, and, and he knew he was the son of God yeah. here on earth. So it, it wasn't as if Jesus denied the power, the glory, the wonder of who he was. It's that he put others first. He was willing to go to the cross and experience death so that we didn't have to experience spiritual death. And, and so a, a good example I would do with my kids is that every time you enter a party, and I would say every time you go to church or anytime you're at a social gathering or even a family dinner, you can have one of two approaches. The humble person says, is there someone to notice? Is there someone to encourage? Is there someone I can be the light and wisdom of Christ to? Some people go into a party or church, who can I impress? Are others going to notice me? Is somebody going to ask me to help out? I go, if you go into a party needing to be noticed, you'll never be satisfied because you'll never be noticed enough and, and someone else might be noticed more. But if you go in offering yourself as a servant to build others up and to represent Christ, I said, you'll never be dissatisfied because there's always people who want to be noticed. There's always people who need to be built up. So it's this self-emptying, I live so that Christ is known and loved and worshiped and adored instead of the soul-destroying do I have more followers? Am I getting mm. appropriate attention? Do people appreciate me? And, and Bob, when I apply this to marriage or parenting, uh, friendship, vocation, ministry, any avenue, when pride exalts itself, life just becomes miserable. My spouse doesn't appreciate me enough. My spouse doesn't notice me. My kids aren't grateful enough. All of those things we're seeking from people Instead of saying, how do I help my kids worship the Lord? How can I bless my spouse today? How can I take the love I've received from God and pass it on to those he's called me to minister to? It's a completely different orientation in life, filled with much more joy, and frankly, much more excitement. Gary Thomas here on The Intersection. You can find him online at GaryThomas.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the podcast. Also, there's a link to the Intersection, to the Media Center, as well as to the feed on iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from guests featured on the Intersection podcast can also be found through the Faith Radio app, 
at a variety of podcast platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast. When you go to Amazon Music or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Well, continuing now with this edition of The Intersection, it's Jonathan Kahn. He leads the Ministry of Hope of the World, as well as Beth Israel, the Jerusalem Center in Wayne, New Jersey. In a recent conversation with me, he discussed elements of his most recent book, The Harbinger II, The Return. He also examined the shaking that occurred during the year 2020 and current events in early 2021, including the lawless attack on the U.S. Capitol building. Here now from that conversation is Jonathan Kahn. In the Harbinger One, when I spoke about the things that could, you know, the shakings that would come, it actually links it in that chapter called Things to Come to the word crown. Well, the word crown is the word corona. So that's the first thing. Secondly, as I was saying, that that in the it says the 19th year, the pattern is, and the prophet Jeremiah spoke about it, is that is that a plague, one of the judgments is a plague that comes upon the land. Well, it the 19th year was 2020, and as 2020 began, the plague came on the land. Now it was, it was touching the world, but it touched, it struck America more than any other nation. And the, the amazing thing is we're, we're seeing, you know, one of the reasons why Jeremiah said, the prophet Jeremiah says the, the plague is going to come in the 19th year on Israel, was he said, because of the blood of the children, you have shed all this blood of the children, and this is coming. Well, with America, we, there's amazing things. We can, well, you know, won't be able to get into the detail, but amazing things in that chapter called the plague. That I mean, even the, like the day that the plague comes to America, or is recorded, it, the headlines come across America, was the anniversary of when America uh, legalized the killing of its children. You know, the the day, the 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 year that it came was was you know 2020 is actually the jubilee of when abortion on demand began in America, which was in New York, particularly. Uh, in the year 1970, actually, mm. things uh, show that these things actually come to the exact days, the exact places, all these things. So the thing is, that, listen, we have we have killed 60 million children. You can't do that and and not have this. And the world has also killed all this. So, but there's so many in, incredible convergences that I mean, it's it, it's it's stunning. As you look at what has occurred so far this year, even specifically last week, the events in the nation's capital. How do you interpret what you have seen occur even thus far in the year 2021? Well, it's amazing. And, and Bob, it's great that we're talking because, I mean, we planned this, <clears throat> you know, we planned this interview a little while back and having no idea you know, <laughs> and, and sure. not knowing what was going to happen yes. just before. So this is the first time I'm really talking about this anywhere uh, publicly. A few things. One is, you know, the very thing that that I was saying that, that the, I saw the danger of the window of of grace ending on on America, the danger of, and that's one of the reasons. Well, well, part of that window was the this conservative administration. Now, it's not about Trump. It's not about a party, but it is certainly about issues of life, issues of religious freedom, um, and then also a very radical agenda that is planning to take over that can endanger religious freedom, liber- life, and you know the issue of the unborn, and so much. It's radical. Is getting rich. Well, so so we saw that coming. So we have this, and what happened last week was like the culmination of this thing. You know, it's it's kind of like about there. I mean, there's so much to say about this, but but it's kind of like the there's been this. Da- you picture a dam, and picture your know, floodwaters pushing against it. The dam is that we've had a conservative administration for the last four years. It's part of this window. It's held back things, you know, but it's been political up in the political realm. The cultural realm of America, the spiritual realm, has not stopped descending from God. So it creates this 
resistance pushing against this this wall and now we're watching the wall break from every side so you know notice something and and, and so it's major and listen there's something i just i, I can't even get into it and you're the first one i'm talking to you know, I, you know publicly um i just discovered something you know there's a the, one of the books i wrote at the beginning of uh trump's administration is called the paradigm and it speaks about how each person that we've watched on the national stage there is a biblical amazing prototype it answers to someone in the bible i mean amazingly well, so Trump answers to Jehu. I won't go into the details, but what happened? I will tell you this, I mean, because we don't have the time. But last week, what happened followed in, in exactly this paradigm of Jehu. Amazingly, I mean, so this. Thing, but I will say this: you know, uh, a week ago, the the new Congress was inaugurated in prayer. Um, I mean, the, the first session to open up the, this Congress in, on Monday, and the prayer ended with a man praying in the name he said in the name of Brahma. So literally a foreign god, Brahma. So that's how he opened it up. The next day they voted in Georgia, and that determined that the entire government basically is going to the hands of the Democrats with no stopping this radical agenda. Wednesday was sealed. This change of the government was sealed. And Wednesday, everything exploded, exploded. So we're watching. So it opens up with with a foreign and, and it ends with that. We are watching America divided, and these are, these are dangerous signs, dangerous signs of judgment. Jonathan Kahn here on The Intersection. You can learn more about the book at theharbingerreturns.com. The Hope of the World website is hopeoftheworld.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's David Curry, president and CEO of Open Doors USA, which has recently released the 2021 World Watch List, identifying the countries who are the leading persecutors of Christians worldwide. With a summary of that list, here now is David Curry. This year, of course, North Korea has been number one. It's number one again for the 20th straight year. Mm. It's just the most difficult place to be a Christian. That's manifested in any number of ways. They consider Christians to be the number one enemy of the state. They make sure that they don't have access to food. They make sure that if they know you have a Bible, you're going to be in labor camp, probably have a good opportunity anyway to die in labor camp. It's just a very tragic situation in North Korea. And that's an example of, of the kind of information. We have this, this, this grassroots information coming up from real individuals there in North Korea and elsewhere to tell us what's really happening. What's particularly interesting about the top 10 is how many different kinds of environments, it's not just the countries, but the kind of circumstances that surround the persecution. So let's walk through that. At number two and three, we have Afghanistan and Somalia, this, and then Libya following them at number four. These are, or, these are states that have weak central governments, in Libya's case, a totally failed government, but you have strong tribal or extremist factions that are controlling large parts of the country. In Afghanistan, you have the Taliban. In, in Somalia, you have al-Shabaab. These are different names, same ideology, a theology of hate that's targeting anyone they consider to be an infidel, in this case, Christians. So it's very difficult, uh, very dangerous to be a believer of follow the a Bible, the teachings of Jesus in Afghanistan or Somalia. You know, it's tragic to think about, but in Somalia, if you're even suspected of being a Christian, you could literally lose your head. That's, that's the level, if you could have a, 
an, an image of how difficult it must be to be a Christian there in Somalia. That, that gives you an idea. Then you get into some of the more politically tricky ones. You have Pakistan, which has a, an, obviously is a nuclear strength. They have a lot of uh, wonderful things about their culture. But within Pakistan, you've had this rise uh, of persecution of Christians that's been very solid. That's a country that could go either way. It could turn towards towards a more open society. But right now they have strong blasphemy laws. They've got um, a mob violence that, that comes out of these blasphemy laws. I know of a couple right now in Pakistan that has been on death row for six years. They were accused simply of sending a text to someone that said that they were Christians. Here's the thing. The text was in English. They don't speak English. They're illiterate. It's this, this mob mm. violence, this vigilante justice that comes out of these blasphemy laws in Pakistan is ruining people's lives. These folks and others like them are on death row in Pakistan because somebody said they were a Christian, essentially, and that's tragic. In Eritrea is number six. This is in Africa, an extremist government. They do allow some, they have, you might say, grandfathered in some uh, denominations, but the pressure from the government on Christians is enormous, and it's, it's a tragic, and it's on the, on the verge of being a failed state, in my opinion, as well. In number seven, you have Yemen. Yemen is a country where there's a proxy war going on between Saudi Arabia and Iran, caught in the middle is Christians. There's, a ge there's some geographic elements here. You have a, a, a mountain range where you, have, uh, you can isolate Christian, Christians and Christian villages, and people uh, find it easy to uh, attack them. So it's very uh, tragic what's happening in Yemen, not just for Christians, but for everybody in that population. We'd love to see more international interest and care about what's happening in Yemen. And, and I would just encourage your listeners, pray for Yemen. There's, there's a lot of beauty and, and hope that could rise out of that country if we could get some stability there. So then you're looking at Iran at number eight on the world watch list. And, of course, many people have an opinion about Iran. But let me tell you something. There's, there's, there's a remarkable group of people in Iran. We, people consider it part of the axis of evil. But that's really more about the leadership of the country that is extremist, and they're totally separated, in my view, the feedback we get from its population, which mm. loves freedom. They love uh, uh, the, the West and America. They're free thinkers, smart people. Nigeria is number nine, and then India is number 10. David Curry here on The Intersection. The Open Doors USA website is opendoorsusa.org. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. The podcast can be found in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible through the Meeting House homepage. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.